Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. Thank you for joining us as we continue our studies in the book of Revelation, and we are still right in the midst of Revelation chapter 13, and there are two things related to each other that we are going to cover today. Uh, The first is the persecution of the Antichrist, and related to that is something that I call predestined suffering that you don't hear too much about. But let me just give you a refresher. In the first century, there were certainly Antichrist forerunners, especially Caesar claiming divinity and requiring worship. And we know this from St. John, who also wrote Book of Revelation and the first letter of John. In 1 John 2.18, he says this, children, it is the last hour, that is the last era of mankind. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. And when he says you have heard that Antichrist is coming, that's the final Antichrist. So now many Antichrists have come. So it is proper to look historically to references, including chapter 13 of the book of Revelation, to historical personages. And a couple of the favorites are the Emperor Nero or the Emperor Domitian. And there could be historical references there without a doubt. But to say that that is exhausted in the first century, I think, is a huge mistake, particularly from what 1 John 2.18 says, also what the Catechism of the Catholic Church explicitly says in paragraphs 675 and 677. But let me read a few verses from Revelation 13, starting in verse 1. I saw a beast rising out of the sea, dropping to verse 5. And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opens its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given to it over every tribe and people and tongue and nation, and all who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone slays with the sword, with the sword must he be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. So let me start with the practical application. And with that, we can understand what this is trying to say. Here is a call for the faith and endurance of the saints. You don't need faith and endurance if everything is past history and there's no future Antichrist. There's nothing to worry about. And there's folks saying that today, many folks saying that today. Or if you're a rapture at any moment type of person 
and do believe in a final Antichrist coming, but you believe that you're going to be long gone, you're going to be taken off from the earth before this occurs, well, you don't have any worries either. You don't have any need for in faith and endurance of the saints. And yet the book of Revelation, and this is my concern here, is saying this beast, this Antichrist, was allowed to make war on the saints and conquer them. And there's no big war. He's going to have world dominion. It's going to be bad. It's going to be the worst persecution the world has ever experienced. He's going to take the persecutions of Domitian, of Nero, of Antiochus Epiphany, of the Pharaoh, all the bad guys throughout human history, and he'll be in the incarnation of evil, persecuting the people of God. And let me say this as clear as could be, Christians will be here. You can't escape this by saying the Antichrist is simply down the historical memory hole or we're going to be lifted out before trouble comes. Jesus is saying to his church, this is the call for the faithful endurance of the saints. There's going to be suffering. And I wish I could say, you know, everything is going to be fine. We're not going to, you know, experience anything. Well, we will. Now, here is something that you really don't hear too much of, and this is what I call predestined suffering. The suffering of God's people at this point in history, whenever it will be, is something that God has planned. It's something that God has allowed. Let me draw your, your attention to two verses in Revelation 13, two, two verbs, I should say, in verse 7, it says, it was allowed to make war on the saints and conquer them. This is a passive verb. In other words, Satan, who's empowering this beast, so Satan and the beast have permission, allowance from God to do this. It's very similar to Satan getting the allowance to persecute Job in the Old Testament. And everybody said, well, why, why, why did that happen? Why did the righteous suffer? It's a question that's a little bigger than our brains, quite frankly, but it does happen. The big question is, why did the righteous one suffer? Why did Jesus, the righteous one, suffer? Well, we're to walk in his footsteps. 13 and verse 7, and says, authority was given it over every tribe, people, tongue, and nation. This was something, this is a divine allowance, and it says, at that point, the deception is going to be so big that all who dwell on the earth are going to worship the beast. Everyone whose name was not written in the Lamb's book of life, but the life of book of the Lamb was written, it says, before the foundation of the world. Quite frankly, this is what is called predestination. A lot of people don't like predestination, and there's kind of a pretty good-sized conflict within the Catholic Church, friendly conflict. In times past, it wasn't even friendly between those who have strong views of predestination and those who may not, and this is the conflict between the Dominicans and Franciscans and Jesuits have their views. Bottom line, make this real simple, I think 
the angelic doctor Aquinas has a good view in this. He has a high view of predestination, and yet he doesn't go to the extremes of this that Calvinists do, but there is a predestination. God has a plan, and this the part of this plan, it's predestined that God's people are going to suffer, but they're not going to be endangered by this persecution. And I'm talking about, yes, their bodies, but not their souls, not lacking in strength to resist this, because God is going to give his people what they need for this time. And there's really what I, one of my favorite chapters of the entire Bible that illuminates what this is talking about here in subtle fashion in Revelation 13. And that chapter of the Bible that illuminates this is Romans chapter 8. And is interesting, there's bumper stickers, and I even saw a quasi-religious TV show that quoted Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 and it's kind of a, a favorite uh, banner, bumper sticker, TV slogan, you name it. It says this, we know that in everything, God works for good. In other words, you know, your kids get into college, your budget is balanced, your car doesn't get a flat tire, whatever. You know, people are kind of taking this and applying it to very secondary things. If you look at the context of Romans 8:28 where we know that in everything everything God works for good what follows Romans 8:28 are two of the most powerful predestination scriptures in all of the Bible it says this for those whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren Okay, predestined to be sons of God, brethren of Jesus. And those who he predestined, he also called. And those who he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, in my past, I was a Calvinist. And of course, these are the Calvinist uh, ideal scriptures on predestination. But hear this. This is a huge mistake to take these scriptures and move them into abstract theological categories, or worse, to deny them. Because if you look at the context of Romans 8, before we even get to the verses immediately following Romans 8, 28, 29, and 30, you go back further in the chapter, it says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. For children, when they're heirs with Christ, in other words, everything Christ is going to inherit from the Father, we're going to share, provided we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. I just read you scriptures on predestination to glory, but before we get to the glory, we're also predestined for the suffering. He goes on. St. Paul says in verse 18, same chapter 8, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory to be revealed in us. And then you go back to the verses following. We know that in everything, even suffering, God works for good. And St. Paul goes on later in this chapter, and he starts saying things like this, starting in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation, 
shall distress, persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. That's all the bad stuff the beast does. As it is written, for thy sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, including that beast in Revelation 13, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is how it works. God is going to allow this to happen, okay? And his people who don't go for the mark of the beast are going to experience ferocious persecution. But it's okay because someone is going to keep us bound to himself. It's part of the predestined plan of God, suffering and glory, joint heirs with Christ. And how do you prepare for this? And hear this carefully. It's, it's not doing more stuff, climbing spiritual mountains and nonstop devotions. It's, Father, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Holy Spirit, come and fill my heart with the love of God. That's how we resist the beast and the powers of the Antichrist. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 105 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.